I have come to lead you to the other shore, into eternal darkness, into fire, and into ice. Welcome to St. Paxton, a narrative real play podcast created by friends to explore humanity and endure horror. A world where you can try anything. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Welcome to St. Paxton. I am your game master, Veronica. Great to be here. I'm Stacy, and I play Bellamy. I'm Michael, and I play Todd B. I'm Steph, and I play Clara Carter. And my name is Fred, and I play Edward Worthington III. We call him Trey. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) No. Bellamy. Roll sanity. Uh, So I got a 76 out of 65. So Bellamy, as you kind of are coming to grips with the fact that your mind is struggling to keep up with both realities and you're struggling to figure out which reality it is that you are in, which one you want to be in, and kind of this time lapse that your friends have experienced, but that you've just kind of had to endure you walk into the kitchen and you start putting away all of the things and sort of just cleaning very vigorously, uh, just making sure that there's no specks of dirt in the grout and all of that good stuff. But you hear a scratching at the door and you walk over and you let in Maslow. And Maslow rubs up against your leg and you find yourself terrified as Maslow comes in closer for pets and you're unable to give him any pets at all and you just start backpedaling up 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 until you're on top of the counter just sort of cold and terrified to step down and be touched by your dog Clara you hear this crashing sound from downstairs. It just sounds like things are flying all over the kitchen. It certainly wakes you up from whatever level of sleep you're in after being able to relax for a few minutes. So I'm gonna kind of stretch and kind of orient myself because it's probably super early, like maybe 10 a.m. or something and I'll jump out of bed and run down to the kitchen to see what's going on. As you look over the balcony and into the kitchen, you see Bellamy just kind of cowering on top of the kitchen island. So I'll shout out to her, Bellamy, are you okay? Uh, yeah. I'm fine. I'm great. Yep, everything's fine. Uh, Maslow, shoo. Shoo, Maslow. It, it, did Maslow attack you? No, no, no. I, uh, I don't know. I just, I, he's too close. I just, he just, go. Shoo. Shoo, boy. 
where Maslow rubbed up against your leg, you feel this kind of like itchy, bubbling sensation. And you look down and you see that where Maslow rubbed up against you, you've clearly got some sort of in, an infection, something that's spreading very quickly. I start to scratch at my leg a lot. Like once I start, I can't stop. And I'm hyper-focused on it. And I start looking at my hand and then my other leg. And now I'm just scratching both legs obsessively. Clara, you notice this scratching for sure. I'll run into the kitchen and I want to kind of eye Maslow for a second and see if there anything looks different about him. As you come down the stairs, he's really excited to see you and just kind of takes his cute puppy paws up and is doing the little paw dance to kind of get up onto your knees if you'll let him. Um, yeah, I'll, he's a small dog, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll pick him up and kind of him scratches behind the ears. Okay. Um, he licks your chin, your jaws. Very happy. And I'll keep walking towards Bellamy holding Maslow and it, it just be like, Bell's Maslow seems fine or what's going on? I'm going to scramble quickly off the other side of the counter and try to keep objects between me and and Clara and Maslow. I'm fine. Everything's great. Uh, I'm just a little itchy. So I'm going to go upstairs. Don't follow me. Can you take care of Maslow just for a little while? Sh- sure. And I take off. I'll kind of look around the kitchen after she goes just to make sure nothing seems out of place or that would have caused her to behave this way and once I've done that I'll go upstairs and kind of listen at her door and see if anything sounds unusual so I would have gone into my room closed the door if there's a lock I probably locked it and then slid down the door and I'm you're hearing me breathe because I'm hyperventilating Clara, you feel this buzzing. Maybe it's from your pocket. I'll reach into my pocket. You pull out a small rectangular object with a small screen, and it has a series of numbers on it. Have I ever seen this kind of object before? Not really. And do the numbers mean anything to me? It's certainly long enough to be a phone number. Okay. I will uh, put Maslow down and go to the phone and dial the phone number. Hey, uh, Clara. Oh! Nighthawk. Yeah, hey, buddy. Uh, are you going to be coming to do your speech? Oh. Because it's happening, like, right now, and it's extremely important that you come. Right now. To accept your... Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. I am... I tell everyone you'll be here. I am on my way. Okay. Um, uh, 
Dress fancy! Oh yeah! Oh crap. I will run to my room, dig through my closet, and find the nicest tailored suit that I can find at first glance and get dressed. Okay. Brush my hair real quick. Um, and then before running out the door, I'm just going to knock gently on Bellamy's door and say, Bells, I'm going to go to my speech now. You okay? Ooh, Bellamy. Good friend Bellamy. Don't you feel like you should go support your friend on her big day accepting the election results and being excited for this new opportunity to be mayor of St. Paxton? Just uh, give me a second. Give me a second. I'll I'll go with you. Uh, I should. Yeah. I. I'll meet you downstairs. Okay. I'll just be a second. Okay, running late. So, um, hurry. Oh, oh yeah. Just go without me, and I'll be right behind you then. Okay. I'll I'll see you there. Okay. And I will head off towards City Hall. Maslow kind of just trails behind you. Um, does he have a leash by the door? Sure. Okay. I will attach his leash and bring Maslow with me because he probably needs to go outside anyway. Okay. As you get to the like top part of the cliff that's more attached to the main island, you see this small parking lot full of cars and motorcycles and different things that you could use to get around. When I look at them, does one of the cars look like it's mine? There's a really flashy purple sports car. Oh, that is mine. I will load Maslow safely in and drive that car. That sounds great. As you kind of weave in and out of these new roads, taking you down places that you knew to be forest paths in the last iteration of St. Paxton, places that maybe would have been pastures before. Your mind is very conflicted because these roads weren't here before and you don't ever even remember seeing cars in St. Paxton and you end up running through a four-way stop and when that happens, you roll sanity as all of these things kind of come together. Okay. 64 out of 95. Okay. You are good, meaning you're now okay with roads. So you take a quick look in the rearview mirror, make sure that you didn't cause some kind of fatal accident for someone else, and you are able to quickly navigate your way to City Hall, where there's a sizable crowd, maybe 70 or 80 people just kind of huddled around the steps. There's a podium just on the first landing, and you see Nighthawk. She is dressed in this really smart suit, and... Looks great. So I will take Maslow with me and go to Nighthawk. Oh my god, Nighthawk. Can you can you watch Maslow during the speech? Yeah, oh, hey, 
bumpers. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and I will climb the podium. Edward, you hear a TV turn on behind you and Dr. Mason walks into this lounge area where you're kind of sitting, studying, and she plops down and begins watching the television. Isn't that your friend? What? Your friend. She's being sworn in, I guess, or making a speech of some sort, right? Oh, shit. Is is that today? Um, I guess I don't really keep up with politics. Oh. Do, do you think there's any way I could maybe just leave for a little bit? I, I feel like I should be there. Um, she's accepting the position of mayor. Yeah, I mean... Mayors run a little bit of funding to this hospital, so it's probably good to keep her, you know, close. Not too close. Uh, thank you so much. I'll I'll make it up to you. Oh, I know you will. Oh yeah. Um. Well, I'm gonna jet because it's like happening right now, and it's on TV, and I feel so bad. So, uh, I'll be back. You got it. Bye. And I just start booking it out of the hospital. Bellamy, you get yourself in order and are able to close the front door. What's next? I turn around and start walking. Are you going to take a vehicle or are you going to walk? I look over at the vehicles. What is there? There's vehicles, bicycles, motorcycles, little Vespas. I will take a Vespa then. Okay, great. You hop on a Vespa and it feels like your ass kind of already has the imprint there. Like, this is how it should be. You're going to get on the road and roll sanity. There you are. All right, out of 65, I rolled a 64. You definitely waver, but you don't, you don't have any problem. You're fine with the roads going forward. You see all of these people at City Hall. I'm going to park my Vespa on the fringe, like far away from other vehicles, maybe a little bit hidden. Um, And then I'm going to look for the least populated route that will not cause me to bump into people because the minute I touch somebody else, it's going to be bad and I know it. So I'm trying to get to a place with no crowd to get close enough where Clara can see me in case she needs a familiar face to focus on. Why don't you roll stealth? I rolled a 44 out of 60. Okay, that's that's great. So you see a small, like, kind of a parklet beside the city hall. And you're able to kind of navigate yourself in and out of some evergreen trees. And you're able to 
get yourself up to that top landing without actually being around anyone. And if you want to, you can try and get Clara's attention. If she's already speaking, I'll just kind she's of- She's not. Okay, then I'll try to get her attention then. Sure, how would you like to do that? If I'm mostly up here by myself, I'm just kind of gonna wave my arms really big, like back and forth. Edward. You see Bellamy from the clearing. As you're sort of approaching from the north, you see her waving her arms, flailing them all about, trying to get your attention, obviously, and show you where friends and family are going to be seated. I immediately start going towards her. Clara, you see Bellamy, and you're able to, like, kind of... Cool, my friend is here... You have that steely resolve that you need, and you tap on the mic. Uh, citizens of St. Paxton, thank you so much. Oh, for good, I made it. I, have you been here the whole time, Bellamy? Oh, uh, Edward, uh, uh, I just got here. Oh, uh, I, I'm sorry, I must have... I just came from work, I must... Smell? No, no, no. Uh, no. <laughs> you smell great. Fine. Perfect. It's good. You're good. You're fine. Um. Hey, are you okay? I'm not like weirding you out or anything, right? Um. No. No, no. Uh, it's not you. That's weird. But it's. I'm. It's fine. Uh, I just, uh... I don't know. I just feel like I'm really trapped. Is it hot? It's hot, right? It's hot? Oh, okay. Yep. At this point, I'm taken aback by the way she's reacting, and I feel weird. So I back off a little bit and kind of keep my distance. And try to pay attention to Clara. Bellamy, you feel relieved as Edward kind of stops moving toward you. You're finally going to not have to feel this tightening in your chest except your back hits something and as you turn around you see Nighthawk their faces just beaming so excited to see you and they're cuddling Maslow and they wrap their arms around you in this huge bear hug so happy to see you oh my god Bellamy I missed you so so much. I go completely stiff, muffle a scream, and like push with all my might to get Nighthawk off of me. Roll a fighting brawl for me. Fighting brawl. Okay, so I have a 25. I rolled a 56. You lift up your elbows, but then Maslow kind of 
hops over onto you and you feel the sensation like you're burning alive in your skin. Like just everything around you is just awful and horrible and all of your worst fears are coming true in this moment and you have no choice but to let out this blood-curdling scream. And the camera pans over to you with Edward in the background. And there are tears running down your face as you're trying desperately to escape the hug. And Nighthawk, of course, lets go of you and pulls back Maslow, very afraid. Uh, sorry. I look at nobody and I run as fast as I can off the stage, beelining as far away as possible. I'm not even going for my Vespa. I'm just going to start running. Ma'am, ma'am, do you want to make a statement? What has you so concerned about Mayor Clara Carter's... I'm running. I, I literally just don't stop. I just keep running. When that happens, I'm going to kind of falter in my speech and just kind of stare as this happens. And then once Bellamy runs away, I want to try to collect myself. Sorry for the disturbance, everyone. Um, let, let's uh, settle down. I, I think everything's fine. Um, as I was saying, uh, St. Paxton means, means a lot to me, and I'm very glad you all came out today. And thank you for your support. I can't wait to, to be your mayor and, and to really make decisions that, that would be for the best for St. Paxton. Uh, thank you all for coming. And then I'm going to walk off stage towards Edward so I can see what happened. And there you have it, incumbent mayor Clara Carter accepting no questions after a disturbing- Edward, what happened? Interrupted by best I, I don't know. Uh, I came here after my shift and Bellamy was here and I don't know, Nighthawk hugged her and she freaked out. Oh, she was freaking out earlier in the kitchen. I don't know what's going on with her. Is there anything else you need to do, or, I mean, should we go after Bellamy and check on her? Um, no, I, I just needed to do the speech. I think we should find out what's going on with Bellamy. Nighthawk, are you okay? Yeah, my feelings are just hurt. I'll get over it. Okay. I, I'm sure it wasn't you. I don't know what's going on with Bellamy. That doesn't help my feelings, but okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, you look really great in that suit, by the way. Um, I felt great. You look great. Well, looks aren't everything. Just trying to be honest about how I'm feeling emotionally. Well, that's important. Discussing emotions is important. I'm learning. Yeah, I learned after a brief time with you guys that you don't really talk about, you know, emotional things very well. And so yeah. I thought, you know, it's probably best to not be like your parents. So... You know, not that you're my parents. Right. But, you know, learn what not to do. Yeah, I'm working on that. You guys seem great. Uh, can I have this dog? 
it's it's Bellamy's dog. Might be best if you yeah watch Maslow for a bit while we figure out what's going on with Bellamy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, let's let's go find out where she went. Okay. Yeah. Um. Should should we drive? Um, probably faster than running after her. And my depth perception is not the best, and I'm was not a very good driver to begin with. But I can't really ride my bike anymore with one eye. So maybe you could drive. Yeah, yeah, of course. Cool, Here, cool. Just hop in with me, and um, we'll go track her down. Great. Bellamy, where are you going? I took off in a direction, and I continue in that direction until exhaustion stops me. Bellamy, you find yourself kind of out of breath after what you would assume would be miles of just kind of quick running. Not, I wouldn't say you're sprinting for miles, of course, but running at like a, a, a long distance pace. And you get to this kind of like businessy type area. It just looks like a lot of tall buildings. Right or left? Left. You see that in front of you there is a large dumpster. So you need to kind of pick a direction and for whatever reason you decide to turn left. And you see someone familiar. And Mr. M spins around on his heels. What what are you doing? I'm going up to my office. Is there something I can help you with? You look out of breath. A glass of water? No, uh, no, no. Just... just Are you sure? Yes, I'm positive. You just stay over there, and I will just stay over here. For the record, I... My plan is just to stand completely still where I am until he leaves. I'm assuming that I'm not in his way, but... Yeah, he's going the opposite direction of you, but his hand remains on the door. This looks like a back entrance through maybe an alley. And there's a little bit of traffic behind you. And you see that he gets bigger, like kind of like someone would be walking toward you. But you don't hear footsteps. You just feel this bigness. I thought we agreed that we would not close the distance. I haven't moved. Well, then You're why the one did you get moving. bigger? I've always been a large man. You've changed, Bellamy. I don't think that's true. And... You, we, we, we don't know each other, so, no. Oh, I know plenty about you. No, you think you do in that crazy little mind of yours, but you don't. 
I know how you got left behind. What do you mean left behind? They left you. They died. And they came here. I mean, that's not left behind. It wasn't their choice to die. Do you think it's normal? To be left behind, Bellamy? I... I wasn't... I wasn't left behind. Do you feel safe, Bellamy? With these... Strangers around you? Um, I... (laughs) My heart starts to palpitate. And I start looking around, and I take two steps back, and I start breathing heavily, and I'm having a bit of a panic attack. Like a shark, he senses the increased heart rate, the pheromones, the fear exuding from your being is bait and you watch as he releases the door and it slams shut and you hear a single footstep against the gravel and he just gets wider and wider as though instead of taking steps toward you he's just spreading his body like a tarp in the alley and you sense that there's nothing behind him it's just this huge sheet of man and he starts kind of towering over you almost like a like making a tent over where you stand And then, without touching you, without passing you, Mr. M stands behind you. You don't see him stretched so thin. You brought something dangerous to me. You brought something that needs to be hunted down. And that's why you and your group of friends are worthless. You can't keep this place safe. That's what I love about you. You're everything you're not supposed to be and everything I want you to be. You feel this touch as he pushes you forward and you lose your balance and you start back wheeling away from him 
until he's got you cornered in the alley. You have one action. What do you do? Being as I was already on the onset of a panic attack, I think that's just going to go full-blown, because that's basically what would happen. So I'm just going to start to hyperventilate, and I'm going to freeze. I'm going to freeze in place and just, like, curl in on myself. Because I do not have fight in me at this moment. As you are struggling to breathe, you can tell that something clicks in Mr. M, something totally different, an understanding of your situation. And he starts poking at you. But before he touches you, he just kind of stays away, like just a few mil- like a few centimeters away from you. So that the fear is heightened, but there's no relief from the touch. And he just keeps doing it over and over, and you feel him breathe in heavily from his nostrils. And you blink, but you're sure that you didn't blink, and then you blink again. And then things just go dark as you lose your vision. And you can't see anything, but you can feel the closeness of someone. And you are blind to Mr. M. You can only see out of the very corner of your vision that dumpster. And you pass out. I am driving probably rashly, quickly, just looking for any sign of Bellamy. She couldn't have gotten far. She's on foot. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of places somebody could go. You definitely saw Bellamy at some point kind of go up through what's the business district, but there's a ton of just different roadways. You're getting into this really congested part of town, so you're having to go pretty slow, and eventually, maybe hours later, you see that same dumpster, and you see that there are legs, like kind of underneath it. I I think that's her. Oh my god, pull over. I pull over and I exit the vehicle. I'll jump out. I run up to the legs. What do we find? You see that there's a gap. So this dumpster is kind of on rollers and you see Bellamy has like crawled up underneath it and her fingertips are just bloody from where she was trying to get further and further underneath the dumpster but I mean she just can't fit in that small space not all of her anyways 
and she seems to be passed out. I push the dumpster away off of her, uh, revealing whatever part of her body she was able to get underneath. And then I turn her over. Bellamy, hey, what happened? She is not conscious. I pull out my pen light. I pull up one of her eyelids and I start kind of running the light over. I want to see if there's any reaction. Does she have a pulse? She does have a pulse. Her pupils are completely dilated. You definitely think that she needs medical attention. This isn't good, Clara. Um, I think we should get her in the car and, and take her back to the hospital. It, yeah, I'll, I'll help. I'll grab her under the arms and we carry her over to the car, put her in the back seat, lay her down, and uh, I think we immediately take her um, back to the hospital. It doesn't take you long to get to the hospital at all. 10, 12 minutes at the most. I pull up to the emergency room doors and I run in. I grab a gurney, pull it out, and immediately place her on top of it with Clara's help. And side by side, we start rolling her into the emergency room section of the hospital. You hear a familiar voice call down the hall to you. What's happening? Call Dr. Mason. Um, my friend, she's out cold. Um, she has wounds on her fingertips. She's not responding to any light or any response to our calling her name out. And uh, she needs to be seen immediately. Okay. You see the nurse go behind the station and pick up the phone. You take her to a triage room and just kind of begin standard care for her and it doesn't take long for Clara to remember that she probably needs to call Todd so she hops out calls Todd so I will borrow the phone at the reception desk and dial Todd yeah you got Todd what's up Todd it's Clara it, it's it's Bellamy she's in the hospital we're we're here with her I don't know what happened yeah I uh, we saw what, uh, I, I, I will be right there. Uh, I yeah. just finished up, so I, I'm on my way. Okay, good. Uh, good speech, by the way. Uh, thank you. It's kind of cut ma'am, short. Ma'am, we need this phone for... Uh, sorry, sorry, I've got to go. C- get here quick. Yep, see you soon. Bye. Bye. The door opens in the triage, and Dr. Mason steps in. Oh. Doctor, thank God you're here. Yes, of course. I'm here for you. Any Anything you need. Her heart rate's 100 over 80. <clears throat> She's got clammy, cold skin. She's not responding to my voice. I, I'm not sure what happened. But look at her fingers. Um, they look like defensive wounds. I, I'm not sure what it means. Well, I know what it means. Um, go ahead and step out of the room. Wait, what? You cannot work on friends or family. Step out of the room, Dr. Worthington. Okay. Um, of course, doctor. Uh, please just take care of her. And I exit the triage room. 
you see as two other female doctors enter the triage room and the curtains are drawn. They're in there for quite some time. Eventually, the police show up. Is everything okay? We heard that there was an attack. Um, I, I don't know. We, we actually found her, um, Clara and I, and she was in an alleyway. Um, she was out cold and we brought her here immediately. Was there a weapon used? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Detective Culpepper. Nice to meet you, Detective. I'm Dr. Worthington III. Dr. Worthington III. Okay. Uh, Did somebody call you here? Yeah, the hospital staff. Oh, okay. Well, when violent crimes are committed, obviously we would come. I mean, we don't entirely know what happened. We found her unconscious. They separate the two of you. And you're each taken into a separate room where you're asked to give a full account of the entire day for the most part. Uh, But especially the part of uh, when, where, under what circumstances, and who was with you when you found Bellamy's body. I want to get a feel for what these cops are like before I decide if I want to tell them how Bellamy was acting at Mosado Lago. So I'll roll psychology. Twenty-seven out of fifty. If you wanted to spend some luck, you could turn that into a hard success. Sure. I'll spend two. Okay. You know Detective Culpepper. You've seen him in a variety of places that some would consider less than on par with the law. So he's kind of a rule breaker, but he he's not necessarily a bad guy. He tends to try and do his job, but... St. Paxton doesn't pay a whole lot, and so sometimes he has to pick up a little side hustle. Sometimes those side hustles are illicit in nature. So when I'm recounting the events of the day to him, I'm going to leave out Bellamy acting weird in the kitchen. And when I describe how she behaved at the speech... I'm going to describe it in such a way as maybe she was afraid of something rather than just her freaking out at random. Todd, you arrive at the facility and ask for Bellamy. And of course, now the police are interested in speaking to you as well. They want to know where you've been, when the last time you've seen Bellamy was all of these questions. Do you withhold any information from them? When the last time I saw Bellamy was, 
was when I was in the house, so I can't really recall that. So I'll just say that we had lunch a little while ago. And I saw her on TV. I watched the whole thing from the class with the students. Oh, I see. So you were in class at the time. Yes. Great. Okay. Well, um, if you'll have a seat, we'll let you know about your friend's condition soon. Do we have any idea what happened? I mean... That's what we're trying to figure out, sir. All right. Um, let me know if there's anything else I can do to help. Thank you, sir. That's very helpful. Edward, do you withhold any information from the police? I don't think so. I don't think that I'm concerned about being in trouble. Like, I haven't done anything, and I'm really more concerned about Bellamy's well-being. So, at this point, I don't think I would think about withholding any information. Okay. Both you and Claire are separated as both of the officers leave your separate questioning areas. They speak to each other, and they release you. Thanks. Your stories check out. We appreciate your help. Yeah, of course. Why Why wouldn't they have checked out? What, what do you think is going on? Well, a woman was violently attacked in an alley in the business district. You remember that we've had a lot of really violent attacks recently, sir. Do I know of these violent attacks? Your memory starts to kind of come into focus. And you remember someone that you cared about. And now they're on the fifth floor. Room 582. What do I recall about this person and or why they're in that room? They're unresponsive. They're in a coma. Do I have a personal connection with this person or are they just a patient of mine? You smell a memory. It smells like a deep fryer. As you're trying to pull these memories together, you're still so caught in the in-between. You get to a point where now you need to decide which now you release yourself to, which means you'll forget some of the things from that past life. Do you make that switch into this new St. Paxton? I think that I'm invested in this new reality. And so parts of maybe the previous reality are going to escape me. And like that, you feel like Dr. Worthington III. You feel responsible for your patients. 
you feel in touch with who you are, you feel connected to your mentor who's taking care of one of your best friends right now. And you remember Leo coming in. You were in the ER that night. It was catastrophic. After Clara's accident, you decided that the best thing for you to do was to kind of be close here where she could be and you knew where she was, but you needed to be working. So you took that shift at the ER. And then someone brought in your friend and he had this really large tear through his abdomen. He had been attacked by something and now he's in this medical induced coma as Dr. Mason tries to help him recover and possibly live. Is this friend Leo? Yes. As these memories start to come back or manifest, however it's coming about, I have this necessity to go see him after remembering about him being here and in a coma. And I look at Clara and Todd and I say, um, can you guys just hang tight and just kind of keep an eye out for Bellamy to see if she comes about. Um, I just remembered I have to go take care of something on my rounds. Um, I'll be right back. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And I proceed to the fifth floor. To room 582. As you get to the area where Leo is, you feel this sense of dread. Like your feet are heavier, your stomach feels like you've just, you know, dropped a hundred pounds into it. And you put your hand on the doorknob and you pull the lever down. You take a deep breath and you open the door. And you see Leo lying in bed. And you see Nicholas Watley standing over him, a hand on each side of his head with his forehead against Leo's forehead. He turns his head up to see you and you see that his eyes are this bright purple. Well, you're early. And he releases Leo's head. And he jumps toward the window. And then he's just on the outside of the window, like a tree frog, 
that can hold on with their sticky palms. And he starts sliding down. I immediately run to the window and kind of look down to see if I can see him sliding down and and to decide whether or not I am hallucinating after everything that I've dealt with today. Do I see him still? You do. And he is just sliding down like a tree fog. Mm Mm-hmm. I shake my head and I immediately go to Leo's side and I start checking all of his vitals and I want to see what condition he's in. You hear this sound. It's a sound you've heard so many times before. This droning in the room with you. When you came in, it wasn't like that at all. But you look up to the monitor, and all you see is one green line steadily going across the screen. And that's where we're going to call it. (sighs) Fucking Watley. So. (laughs) Wow. You bring him back to life to only take him away from me again. I mean. Rude. Come on. No, I answered questions from the previous episode. That's what I did. Is Watley a bad guy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think we knew that one, though. Is Watley related to the other crazy purple shit? Wait, yes. Yes. <laughs> was Watley what was in the room? Because it cut out on my side, and I came back to only hear something about yes. glowing eyes. <gasps> that was Watley. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, hold on, on Stacy. I think oh this God. sanity check is going way too far. Okay. <laughs> He's evil. <laughs> He's a monster! No, oh he's Bellamy's like, I don't see it! She's <laughs> my BFF. No, he's really evil. <laughs> All right. Did what everyone if... have fun? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Everybody except for except Mike, for... who barely got to play. <laughs> I don't know. I got that one, like, that telephone the best response. Line the oh my god. <laughs> he killed me. <laughs> uh. uh. Yeah, quality over quantity, right? <laughs> we, we have to, we have to take a knee. Yes. Oh yes, yes. yes. So much we have to take a knee. If you are not taking a knee with us, be sure to check out our Patreon. We release take a knees every time we release an episode, and they're really fun conversations that the cast has after to just kind of explore some of our deep and burning questions. So we'll see you there. This episode was edited by Rob Anderson, the musician who made The Promenade, our opening and closing theme for Season 2 of Welcome to St. Paxton. Find him on Twitter, at PotentiallyRob. This episode was produced by Hiroshi, and you can find him at MaybeHiroshi. You can find the rest of the crew on Twitter as well. V is at TypicalVeronica. Mike is at OneGamingLane. Fred is at IThinkImFred. Steph is at Starlit Firefly, and you can find me at Definitely Stacy. 
As always, you can follow the show at CAF Podcast and find a permanent link to the Discord in our bio. The podcast art was created by Evan Mitchell. You can find out more about their ventures on the podcast For Whom the Dice Roll. Want to take a look at the clues, information, or photos the cast has stumbled upon during the recording? Head on over to our website at www.cafpodcast.com and click on the link labeled The Show at the top of the screen. If you want to help support the show, please share us with your friends on your preferred social media and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can also back us on Patreon by going to www.patreon.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, you should check out some of the other Geekling shows, such as Random Encounters, Sayer, or You're a Wizard, Harry. Hey friends, it's Rob here. I just wanted to thank everyone for listening to the show and supporting it. Years ago, before I was ever directly involved with Welcome to St. Paxton, I was a long-time listener of the show, and the community was one of the things that made it so special. So I'd really like to thank Sean Liu, one of our Patreon backers, for helping St. Paxton stay in your ear holes each week. We could not do it without you. Thank you so much, Sean. <laughs>